0: Let's talk about the future of news. I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. The state of journalism today. Telling both sides of a a controversial story. I think we must be unbiased. It's uh, honesty, fairness, uh, truth. That is our job. That is our job. That is our job.
1: I've always loved radio And one of the strongest memories I have as a kid Is a bright sunny morning being driven to school Primary school I probably would have been about 5 or 6 maybe at the most Driving through Whitehall in Dublin And hearing a radio in the car for the first time And thinking, wow uh, The report was to do with a bomb that had exploded Somewhere in Northern Ireland I can't remember any of the details or anything else like that But I just remember my father turning on this radio in the car I don't even know if it was built into the car I think it was actually just a transistor radio that he had in the car And I heard it went, well you can have this stuff with you all the time it can go wherever you go uh, that began a lifelong fascination with radio and radio if I was to choose if somebody said to me you can never uh, you can only do one aspect you can only choose one medium to work in for the future I would probably choose radio because it 's just it 's such a blank canvas you have to think carefully about it but it 's such an immediate visceral um in-depth relationship that you create with a listener because you can spark off all manner of, of thoughts and paint pictures in their mind with the sounds and the subjects that you put before them. Uh, One of the most interesting people that I've ever met originally became known for television and indeed for a ponytail on a show that he's absolutely sick of being reminded about. But Pat O'Mahony is actually one of the most tremendous radio producers and one of the great thinkers in the radio game. Uh, I've known Pat for several years. He came over to Stockholm and he did a documentary that ended up winning a prize from the GAA uh, about Stockholm Gales, which is the Gaelic football club that I helped to found here in Stockholm. And during that time, he stayed in my house with my family and that kind of thing. But we'd known each other through the media for a little while before that, and indeed, he's interviewed me on his podcast, which is called Off Message and is well worth a listen. Uh, long, in depth interviews with people who are there. But the thing that fascinates me about Pat is he's very extremely broad register right so he has an an incredibly wide range of experience uh, in radio and in television and a little bit in print he probably doesn't write as much as he should but uh, he's an excellent writer as well but when it comes to radio he's done absolutely everything from sort of breaking news cutting edge programming to documentaries to magazine shows to just turning up on the radio to talk about subjects that he's researched and that kind of thing so recently when i was in dublin uh, I decided I was going to go meet him for coffee repay the compliment have him on my podcast and talk about the radio and the state of radio the conversation is pretty long I decided to do it outdoors specifically or you know I, I didn't want to do it in a studio setting where it's just two really really dry microphones I wanted to give you that sense of of being uh, out and about and reporting and the life of the city so we met just beside the Jervis Centre in Dublin and we sat outside having a coffee and it was brilliant because you know we always talk about uh, the practicalities of recording and what you don't want to hear so there's going to be leaf and seagulls and traffic passing by and everything else like that but the idea again was to give you a soundscape to give you an idea of how alive the whole discussion and indeed the subject of radio is This is Pat O'Mahony <laughs> There we go, and it's rolling. And are you monitoring? Never no, no you're not. not. No, I'm not. I'm okay. doing the one thing that I said we yeah, should never... Yeah, you never... You're uh, there's a reason for that. I don't know if I actually have the headphones here. I don't well, think you can I borrow mine. Uh, can I borrow yours? Oh uh, borrow yours. Are yours? Oh, so you have the big lads on
0: you. I have the I big have lads the on me. I'd never do it. I'd never trust, just in case. Yeah. Just in case. I just need to be able to hear it now. There we go. Oh, there we go. Pato That's me.
1: Radio. Mm. When, you, when I got to know you first, or when the world got to know you first, it was
0: through the. Fire. The world has never got to know me, well, in fairness. Bits now. of it have, outside of the Kildare, bits of, you know. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I started in radio. That's what I'm thinking,
1: because, you know, you you sort of a major name here in Ireland in television, but it was actually yeah. radio where you started, right? Well,
0: it was funny because, yeah, I started here. When I say I started here, uh, I, my first major gig was a television gig. And then for five years, I would have done that television gig solidly but at the same time from about the second year i was doing the television i started filling in for fanning on radio yeah which was picking up on the old pirate radio thing i went to london and i did uh, i did a lot of radio then after i left head to toe in 94 and between 94 and 98 mostly radio in in ireland then went to london got a gig on watchdog and then did mostly television over yeah. there did very little radio in my 11 years in london I did the odd fill-in stint on what was then GLR uh, Greater, Greater London, London radio, radio, now right? BBC London, um, and uh, and came back to do television, and have done some television, but have mostly done radio since I came back. Uh, and it's not a plan; it's not a decision I make. It depends on what way the cookie crumbles. It depends on who rings, or what gigs I pitch get taken up. So I like both of them. Um, but yeah, I started off. I would have, I would, I bust, God, where do we start? I went to college when I left school in 78 to do PE in Limerick. Yep. And I bust my foot, left, bust my left foot and made a kibosh of it. So was
1: that film my left foot? That that was the it idea? was all based on me. All based on you, super.
0: And uh, it's a documentary, don't you know, <laughs> darling? And... Uh, uh, so I had a major operation on, on it uh, in 1980, I was in plaster for four months after it and at some stage after that I was talking to Ray Darcy, I was with his brother Joe Ray and the Darcy's lived, uh, you know, a five minute stroll from our gaff in Kildare and he talked about doing some, he was doing some pirate radio stuff out at the back of a caravan in Newbridge, and I said, "Oh, that sounds interesting." Because I would caught the radio bug when Two FM or Radio Two, as it was, coming at you in stereo forty years ago. Yeah. This spring launched uh, in nineteen seventy-nine, and I was sitting around the place, you know, with a bust foot, and I listened to a lot of radio, and I spent a lot of time going, "I could do that. I could do that." Now, not Radio One. Yeah. Uh, this was not suit and tie radio. No, no. I that was a much later thing. Yeah. But I suppose when I grew up, um, <laughs> if, I grew, if I grew up. Um, but uh, yeah, I would be sitting there listening to it going, oh God, they're rubbish. And there was a lot of them I just really didn't like. And, and some of them I really liked and I was going, why and whatever. And, and so when, when Ray said, well, I could probably swing a gig in there, you know. yeah, um, I did that for a while. I found a tape recently, a cassette of a show I did Sometime in '81 that I taped, I must have wanted to. I did send tapes to the Sunshines and the Novas in Dublin. Yeah, never got anywhere. Of never parents, got yeah. anywhere with them. Um, and the bang of a Kildare accent off me. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's funny. I mean, I've travelled a lot since, and I've you know been around the world and uh, lived away from home most, mostly. Yeah. So the old Kildare, flat Kildare accent has kind of gone a lot. But, Bang up. Oh, Back man. then it was terrible. Man, ah, that was funny, it wasn't terrible. It was what was funny.
1: it that you liked about the medium, when you started creating in the medium, right? because you do presenting and you do producing and you do researching and you make documentaries and everything within that medium. Yeah. Like, you know, what would you say the advantage of us are over television, for example?
0: Oh, well now that I, I make both and I duck and I dive between them, um, people do ask me all the time, which do I prefer? And I'd say, well, it depends on the gig. Yeah. Um, There's more money in television there is there's a hell of a lot more money because there's shag all money in radio <laughs> so you know there isn't a lot of money in television but there's more than there is in radio yeah. um, uh, the great thing about radio is the immediacy of it yeah uh, you know you I've had programs where at five to it's all fallen apart yeah and you can still, still do a program because you can get people you can make radio with, you know, it, it, you can get people quickly. You can, you will have backup items, etc., yeah. etc. You
1: don't have to be looking, looking at something but
0: specific. You don't have to go off and on location and, yeah. and start trying to Dependent film and the weather edit and oh yeah, you, you know. Uh, now you can do that in radio. You can go on location. You can uh, spend a lot of time working on something, and you can. Um, Uh, You know, edit lovely packages and put them together with music and sound effects, uh, etc. etc. But uh, radio uh, can be just very immediate and it can be of the moment live radio. So, uh, live television takes a lot more planning. (laughs) As soon as you introduce pictures, you have to coordinate and plan and involve more people. Yeah. Um, when you only have audio, you have a freedom uh, because the pictures are in people's heads. Mm. Um, so, th- there is also an intimacy in that if you're watching television, you never quite feel that that person is particularly talking to you. Yeah. You know, you know, they, you know that you're watching a television program. Although I do remember a story being told to me by some of the uh, crews that I worked with in RT in the early days, and they were talking about when some of the older guys, when they were going out on really early OBs, outside broadcasts in television, um, down the country when television was only starting, and um, they'd be sitting outside having a cigarette, and they'd be staying in a B&B, and b and the ban on tea, the woman of the house would be cleaning up, you know, five to six would be cleaning up the like uh, and wearing her best finery and they'd be looking at her going what what and she said she said the news is coming on after the and they go yeah she said well i want to look well for him in her head <laughs> if she could see him he could, he see, could see her, her kind of thing, Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know i mean that's quaint but so that's got you know people in television you know it's it's a studio yeah whereas when you're just hearing a voice um people one of the things i say to people all the time And it works for television as well, is that when you're presenting, you're not talking to 400,000 people or 3 million people or even a few hundred people. You're talking to one person. You're talking to one person who's interested, who likes you and wants to know more. Mm. And picture them in their kitchen, in their car, in their living room or now on their headphones, whatever. But it's that one person and that's who you're talking to. You're having a conversation with them. You're bringing in others. Um, so it has that intimacy yeah. that you don't get in television. Um, it, it, you do different things on radio than television. I mean, you, know, you, you, you make a lot of the same kind of programs, but you just do them very differently. Yeah. Um, you because don't have it, to worry about lighting. You don't have to worry about makeup, about hair. Yeah. You know, You don't have to do camera rehearsals. You don't have to plan to the same extent. So there's a spontaneity there that's easier to capture. Uh,
1: I was I was talking to the National Union of Journalists freelance forum the other day. And uh, they were talking about how not to get fleeced, you know, and I was saying, okay, this thing about video and giving away video, we're going to do video properly. It's exactly like you say, there's so much planning goes into it. I kind of mm. like, actually had a, a discussion with an editor recently because, you know, I'd originally pitched this on a sort of text interview and they go, well, can you film it? Yeah. And I was, yes, but like, well, I was going to call somebody up on Skype, interview them for 10 minutes and write the story and it yeah. would be pretty simple. They went, no, no, they're actually going to be in town when you were there, so can you go film it? And I went, yeah, but that's something totally different. Yeah. And then they were complaining and go, well, you know, if we pay you, you know, 50 quid extra, oh, no, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because also the editing process for that writing something for me takes like if I do a 10-minute interview it takes me 10 minutes to write oh, a really? pretty much okay well, it goes pretty quickly right mm. but if you have to sit down and choose the shots yeah now radio documentary making that's a totally different thing because you're setting a scene but if you were doing you've done a lot of live radio right mm. big magazine programs news-based mm. fast-paced yeah, this yeah, kind of thing yeah, you know yeah. and you can do it so much easier by just calling somebody up and, and you it's don't done. yeah
0: yeah I mean there's different kinds of radio and if you listen to the various stations, um, you can almost hear their budget on air. <laughs> you know there are some that get programmes you're listening to, and they're out and about the country, and they've reporters around that you know, even internationally. Yeah. And they've you know, they've a variety of contacts. Yeah. Uh, for different stories, um, and they don't, they don't go back to the same story every day. Yeah. Uh, others, uh, I'm not naming names here deliberately because I have to work with these. Shaggers. <laughs> but others, um, you know, it's all in studio. It's either a guest in studio or someone on the phone. Uh, there might be a, an occasional report. Um, they'll let them breathe longer, I fill more time. Yeah. Um, and they'll have the same old, same old voices on all the time, yeah. you know, and uh, if there's a big uh, event or court case or something, they'll go back to. It. They'll send if they're going to send someone to cover it. They'll get their money's worth. Yeah, you'll from have it. five slots yeah, a day. Yeah, and day I, day. I listen. If I was in their shoes, I'd be doing exactly the same thing. You know, you cut your clothes But if we look under the hood of
1: doing that, right? Mm. You've been a researcher slash producer on. Again, we're not going to name
0: any programs, but say if you're on. A, a Funnily, I never was. I, I didn't go the traditional route of. of you know, starting as a researcher. Because you started worked. as a presenter first. Well, yeah, I started, and and my first television gig kind of blew up, and um, uh, you know, we'd we'd all got huge profiles off the back of it. So I was brought in as a reporter on um, radio. I was uh, say a
1: humble reporter, but I don't know if that suits You.
0: <laughs> How do you spell it? And uh, so I, I started reporting, and then. You know, someone said they had an idea for a, a weekly program. Uh, and I did that, I presented that. And then I had an idea for a weekly program. This is all on RT Radio 1 before I went to London in 98. So from 96, I, you know, basically almost self-produced. At the beginning, I had a producer yeah. who did the, the edit uh, with a sound up yeah. a, analog. In studio where we were we Chopping were transferring and, cu- and cutting tape um, and by the end of it I didn't have a producer I did it myself you know I went into and said that'll cost you more money obviously yeah um, and it made but it was also a very good experience because now I was doing it from uh, beginning to end yeah um, but I was never trained I never like there is a um, producer training course yeah. that RTE run which is you know, renowned the world over. It's a it's 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 a great course.
1: Lift a lid on What kind of things do teach? I don't know.
0: I've never done it. I, I never I never did a presenting course. I never did. I like when I was in college. I never ran gigs until I ran my first gig. You know, I was the entertainment officer right in what's now DCU twice. I remember the first gig I ran. I was like, I've no idea where I'm really at here. But you know, learn by doing. Yeah, and and. You know, when you're a presenter on a on a show that travels around the country and it's every day filming, if you have got your eyes open, you'll see what you'll see what's being shot and you'll see how it's done. Yeah. And you'll just be looking at the, what they how it then is pieced together in the edit and you're kinda of going, Oh, so that's why they use that shot and that's why they use you know, and I see where they're using music there and captions yeah. there and vo voice over there and, and whatever. And it just it 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 assimil- you know, it it's it, it, soaks into your yeah, system. Yeah. Like osmosis. So the osmosis and the first like I remember when I directed uh, my first television documentary in 2007 I'd never directed a doc you know anything before yeah. but I kind of knew what I was doing. I still surrounded myself with good people and I think that's always the secret to when you're doing something even no matter how experienced you are but yeah. certainly when you're starting out just make sure you surround yourself with the best people so listen to your exec producer who will then yeah, say to them, Who is the best camera person here? Who who should we get on sound? What about what else do we need? Yeah. Who yeah. and you know, they'll know that this person will will mind you. Yeah, they'll look you know, they'll you. say, you know what you need here, you need another few shots, you yeah. need this, you need that. and um, you don't get that in radio because radio's done a lot more on, on, on your own. Um radio's a more solitary business. When you're out on the road, when you're when you're um, making reports yeah. or documentaries, you, like I when I we did. Um when I came to Sweden to do a Silver Lining. Yep. I came on my own. Yeah, That was a documentary about
1: we had started the Stockholm Gales and you and me got in touch and you yeah, had this yeah. idea and
0: you pitched it. Yeah. And you got money from the BAI and mm. you came and made it.
1: And you did, you came over on your own.
0: On my own. And now if I was to do that for TV, I'd have had a crew of, of, of at least two others, maybe three others yeah. with me. And there would have been reckeys done beforehand. Yeah, exactly. And there yes. would have been time spent. And I wouldn't have done it in a week. Um, so... Uh, So what does the RTE uh, training course do? It assumes you know nothing. That's always a good assumption. And and goes through everything from technical, legal, editorial, um, and all different scenarios. So for, you know, RTE has Radio 1, 2FM, Radio uh, Noguel, Lyric. So it will train you in the vagaries of the different programs that each of those stations do. Uh, And I imagine they do lots of setups, artificial setups, where they say, right, this morning you're in studio and you're on air and whatever. And then like a flight simulator, you know, they make stuff go wrong and see how you deal with it. Uh, But they would also have, you know, theoretical... um, uh, uh, theoretical um, le- classes on on, on on legal stuff yeah you have to know what the, the laws of libel and slander defamation def- and all that kind of thing yeah. um, I've never trained in those but I know what they are <laughs> yeah. you know um, and uh, um, so it, it would be that but it would also be technical stuff now you're um, you're self editing a lot more yeah so you have to have the technical stuff of of how the different so there there's you know there's there's uh audition audacity yeah uh, pro tools hindenburg yeah. um yeah. they're all of a one yeah uh, radio man is the system they use in-house in RT. There's another one that someone was talking to me about the other day i can't remember what it is and um, but they're all different yeah so you would have to be across those various systems or at least whatever system the broadcaster that is training you uses. yeah um so it's it's basically, you know, genning up on on what it takes to be a producer. Yeah. And they do that in in a matter of months. Whereas I suppose in a lot of ways I've done that in a matter of years. Yeah. You know, over a long 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 period. I have to say I hate leaf blowers. Yeah, I just I hate yeah, leaf blowers. I yeah, up there the just background. started up there and uh, I think, what's wrong with a brush and a rake? <laughs> no, in general, listen, there he goes. just, just
1: seriously lazy. He's standing over there and waved it around, you know. That said, yeah. though, you know,
0: at times you That's be, a bit of atmosphere.
1: That's the thing, you could be making a radio documentary, you could be delighted. I was doing a thing for BBC Radio 4 called The Cold Swedish Winter, where I was location manager, and we did all the things we were saying. Television or radio? Radio, right? radio, and we did all the things we were saying. Brilliant, brilliant director and producer called Frank Sterling. There, you don't
0: have a director in radio generally. But this is radio drama, right? So radio drama, radio comedy. Uh, Sorry. Oh yes. Amazing
1: man. Amazing ears. Amazing (coughs) crew all round. Right. And the very first series we did, we were doing it on location in Stockholm because it's about an English stand-up comic who moves to Stockholm, right? Or moves to Sweden, sorry, to a small town. And he said, okay, I want this location, that location, this location. So I mean, my time was spent around going finding these locations, yeah. And I found the absolute perfect location. Uh, out in the middle of nowhere, he wanted water. He wanted somewhere we could splash and do a couple of things like that. And then we got out there. The morning we got out there to record, this guy turns up with what looks like a massive combine harvester and started cutting the grass. Yeah. What do you do?
0: Well, there's not a lot you can do. You can do one. You can bribe them to feck <laughs> off. Yeah. Well, not uh, in Sweden, these two we, people. We have done that. I, I, def- I remember the first trip I ever made to London with uh, with RTE. We were about to do a piece to camera in one of those little squares in Soho, you know, Coffin yeah. Garden, direct and there was a, a drunk guy there and he spotted our camera and he'd probably done this umpteen times already. <laughs> he just started shouting. Yeah. And the producer had to go over and give him a fiver. <laughs> and <laughs> I had to get my piece of camera done in whatever he decided that fiver was worth to show.
1: Whoever long was going to take yeah. to it, yeah.
0: Now, the worst thing I've ever had, though, consistently, was in 1991, I spent two months in... Uh, Northern Ireland, primarily in Belfast, but we filmed all over in Northern Ireland doing an environmental series with an independent production company for UTV, yep. uh, and that involved a lot of exteriors, yep. and as soon as you set up a camera, you and could bet it was a helicopter, a British Army helicopter, okay. and it would just hover. Yeah. It would just hover, and uh, we we're never sure whether they suspected our camera was a hidden gun or whether they were just doing it to a noise. Yep. So you just had to wait till they shagged off. Yeah. Uh, Not not every time, but consistently. Pretty pretty consistently, Consistently, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You just have to deal with that. And sometimes you you cut and run. You go. Whatever it is, this will not work today. Yeah. We were in. We were in. um, Madrid. uh, With head to toe in about ninety. 92 or 93 and we were going to do an item it was all set up he was booked and everything with a costume designer with a very famous Spanish film director and we got to the office and we were let in and we were waiting for him and we waited and waited and waited and he never turned up and we were there let's say we were there at 9 so about 10 phone calls had been made and maybe about half, 10, 11 you know, we just we knew this wasn't going to be a runner we abandoned to a cafe with our local Madrid based Irish researcher and said we need the story we were going to do today is now not going to happen we need another story (laughs) and she dug up one eye, she said well she knew what was going on, she made a few phone calls and you know first thing after lunch we rocked up at a Fashion and photography exhibition. Oh, deadly. You know, that had no Irish relevance, but was just on and it was good and it was interesting and the people were interesting, but we wouldn't have taken it as first choice. No, no, no. And so, you know, you cut your cloth. But you can't come back empty handed, you know? We couldn't. We needed four items to fill the show. I went up to
1: Östersund, eight hours north of Stockholm, to film Lindsay Lindsay Vaughan's last press conference. She's an Alpine skier. <clears throat> and she said she was retiring. We got up there and she realised that the weather had been pretty bad, so people had had problems getting flights and trains and this oh, kind of thing. Okay. So when she realised that there wasn't going to be like you know, a packed house of journalists, she postponed it for 24 hours. So I'm up there and I'm being paid, and I go, you're going to have to come up with something. Yeah. And by the same token, I had to go out on the street. And the World Alpine Skiing Championships this year was very much about sustainability. So it was pretty much that thing of, right, go talk to people about sustainability. Mm. And you'll start on the street and you call the organisers. And as luck would have it, there was a Green Party politician and the guy who was running the whole show were in a hotel about 400 meters away when i made the call and you run over. They were doing a radio interview and you just put yourself in the queue and you go, hey, you people are talking to me, so you get away with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, maybe, you haven't done the RTE producer's training course. No. But in your long... I haven't v-
0: done a director's... Co- t- they're like, they're yeah. a TV. Produce, they, they, they used to run, I don't know when the last one they well, ran. I did RTE's
1: documentary producer course, which is brilliant.
0: Which is uh, an external course. Yeah, exactly. That's one for whatever. Like, the way the documentary unit works is that people pitch them ideas <clears throat> and uh, if they like it, They will take you under their wing. Yeah. And they'll do all that and a lot more. Yeah. Uh, Everything they did with you over the weekend, they'll do that and a whole pile more. Yeah. Over the duration of the documentary. Yeah. Uh, So they do train, maybe the wrong word, but they do help you. Yeah. Um, uh, They'll show you the basics and. They'll, they'll show you how the editing works, yeah. and then they'll put their arm around you on, and, and, and as you become more confident. The one thing they insist for a first-time documentary maker is that their documentary is based entirely in Ireland.
1: Is that right, yeah? yeah. They won't allow you to go nuts Well, abroad. if
0: I went to Sweden on my first documentary and something major had gone wrong, I wouldn't have known what to do. Yeah. By the time of documentary number five, which one your was, I would have had, you know, enough experience to, remember that first day out recording, yeah. when I couldn't find a cable, yeah. even though it was under my nose. Yeah. No, we didn't panic. It was actually in the bag, yeah, it yeah. It was in the bag, yeah. uh, but it was in a... a, 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 pocket, a pocket you never look in. never used. <laughs> um, and we didn't panic, we went, all right, uh, who, was anyone got a Zoom? Yeah, yeah, you know, and you had, a I had one, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so those opening sequences were recorded on that. That's perfect, and it was kind of like, yeah, that, that you know, there was no panic. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if that was my first one, I'd have gone, oh, where am I? Well, I might have, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's what they do. So that training course is is for is external the TV producer and the uh, sorry the TV producer director and the radio producer courses are internal yeah. so you have to do an interview process and, and, go uh, you it, know, yeah. and, and qualify to that mm. but it means that if you get on it and you don't make a dog's dinner of it no, no, You should get work. It,
1: it actually struck me as being like when I did that thing with Liam and the uh, producer or the documentary production course mm. It's actually like that uh, in the Empire Strikes Back when Luke Skywalker goes to visit Yoda And that's the kind of thing you realize that this guy and the whole team has this immense amount of knowledge mm. And it's just learning to use the force kind of thing, you know, and as long as you don't leave there too early Like Luke Skywalker, I go, well,
0: but what? I'm going to pretend to know what you're talking about you, I know you a Star Wars or fan or or, at all, yeah
1: I feel like as soon as I mentioned that I went, oh, he doesn't like Star Wars, yeah.
0: I don't know why I brought that up Anyway. I've seen some of them, but I know I know pay, roughly. Pay little attention to them. A brief reminder
1: again that this is a listener-supported podcast. Uh, I was reading a brilliant quote by Lyra McKee, rest in peace. Uh, she was talking about how her work is funded, and uh, she managed to get together several thousand dollars to report on one uh, story that she did. And she said, "Paying for journalism is an act of love, and you have to have a personal relationship with them, meaning your readers." And that's the kind of relationship that I want to have with you and the people who listen to this podcast and who read the work I do. Uh, So if you can, it goes from, you know, maybe $2 a month upwards. Every little contribution helps. It helps pay some expense. It helps to pay for something along the line. It helps keep the lights on. And uh, it lets me do stories that I may not otherwise be able to do. Among them, this podcast. Go to patgem.com forward slash eromannins.com and sign up. And now let's get back to Pat O'Mahony. What would you say are the, sort of the key qualities, you mentioned there that sort of unflappability, you know, I put that in from the seagulls in the background. Yeah, boom, boom. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what, what would be the key things for, if you were making a sort of a current affairs program, a news program, and you're producing it, right, Yeah. Uh, like I say, fast pace kind of thing, what are the key skills that a producer really needs to have?
0: Most of them, I think, come with flying hours by doing it. So I would have produced in radio, RT Radio 1, for instance, studio, let's talk about studio programs. Yep. I would have started, um, I started with, the first one I did was Late Debate because they were stuck and they needed someone and actually everyone who was, Audrey Carville was presenting at the time and I just did three episodes and I just sat there and kind of just made sure everything happened but I really didn't know what I was at Um, but everyone else did, like I said surround (laughs) yourself, surround yourself with good people so then they said oh so you produce and then I started doing Uh, Derek Mooney and John Murray, uh, uh, light-hearted magazine-type programs. But the first real test uh, of what you're thinking of there was LiveLine. And LiveLine is a unique program because News and Current Affairs programs will, with some flexibility, have a plan when they go to studio. (laughs) They'll have, you know, we're going to go from here, 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 we're not sure how long this item will last yeah uh, we've got the following people already booked but we're hoping to get more so you will that there'll be a fluidity about that but th- there's 100% fluidity about live line when you call go when well, you no you go down with more than that you have you have calls that have been made to the show over the past few previous few days and the emails that have been in and texts that were sent uh, that never made it to air and so, when you come in in the morning, you'll kind of look at what's there in the backlog, yeah. and some of it may be follow-up calls on stories that have been running, be it the previous day or for the previous week or whatever. And some of them will be new uh, and whatever. So you you have you, you have a lot of discussions. You know, there are meetings where you go through things, and um, but you end up. Having previously spoken to maybe about ten people, yeah, saying, you know, and that might be three or four different stories, and you basically say to them, "Listen, we might get to this today. Are you around? Will you be on the phone?" You verify the call. You verify what they're saying. If if they're giving out about an institution or a business, you need to contact that business. Mm-hmm. You know, all all the the legal stuff. Yeah, uh, give them right of reply. So. Um, you do that, so you have this safety net of, of calls, and then you start, you take the first one, and everything you've done all morning may then go out the window. <laughs> because it may be such a hot item, yeah. and people just start calling in, and the call, the phones just light up, the texts light up, the emails light up, and you don't need, so I've, I've done shows where one topic Dominate. Dominate, does the whole show. Yeah. Now, I've also, uh, I remember, uh, how do you train on a program like that? A lot of it is just uh, producing upstairs. Uh, Upstairs, you're monitoring the calls and the texts, and there is a system where everything is logged. Everything has to be logged on, on a program like that for legal reasons. And so you're there, you're trained in on how to use that. I got the hang of it very quickly. And, um, and you're talking to people. Um, and you're trying to see if they're genuine. If the story is genuine, you're, 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 you're trying to get as many witnesses as possible. Other people with similar stories. And as I said, giving people the right to reply. And you're making decisions as to who goes on air. So you're doing this before, during and after the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then comes the day when the producer will say, Right, go down and sit in on the program now in the studio. Yeah. With another producer. So you're sitting there, you know, at the back just watching what they're doing because it's the producer and Joe are making most of the calls as yeah. to who goes up on air and the order and and they're talking to each other off air, either uh, on messages that are typed in and come up on his screen, or via talk back in his headphones. And um, he's a great man. He's in control in there, like he's been doing that for so long. Um, And he knows what's working and what isn't. So you're pushing against an open door. If you say something's not working and it isn't, he'll go, yeah, okay. Or he'll, it may be his item. He may have suggested an item. I had one early doors, he suggested this item, and he very quickly realized not getting cold it's not it's not going anywhere let's kill it you know um (coughs) and that's unusual with other presenters. oh absolutely no he 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 does what's best for the show so um so you are you're there watching all this the juggling that's going on and then with about 20 minutes left like i remember angus mcannally was producing the first he said come on sit in and you sit in in his seat yeah and he hovers over you yeah and it's like that first time you sat into a car going, how can I, I've only, I can't <laughs> steer and drive and look out the rear and, and brake and ha, hand ran, ha, turn lads. off that rear, I can't yeah. you know. Ah, There's too much going on here. But you do it and he's, he's guiding you. And then you do the same again. And then, I don't know, I presume maybe on the, 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 the programmer too late, they said, right, you'll produce this one. So you have and, to spin all the plates. then you, and that's when you're, you're going, I'm going to be the only one down in the studio. You've got your, your BCO, who's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, she, That's a broadcast coordinator, right? She will. The, Laura Lee has worked on that show for a million years, and she knows what works well. She's got your back. Your sound op will have your back. Joe will have your back, because he knows you're just starting. Yeah. Ian Paisley did me a great favour on my first programme. He died. <laughs> so at about half twelve, we had a whole load of stuff lined up, and we just threw it in the bin. When you never throw it in the bin completely, you'll come back to it the next Tuesday, day. Wednesday, whatever, yeah. He pushed it aside, said, right, we need to do a tribute to, to Ian. So we need to get his biographer, we need to get politicians he met, yeah. you know, whatever. Get the ball rolling and we'll get other calls. Yeah. And it was a very different show from normal and it made my life easier. But the next one was, you know, the full rigor of the law. It was like yeah. people coming and going. And it, I reckon if you can do Live Line, you can do anything. Pretty much anything. Because yeah. you have no plan. You're yeah. going down on a wing and a prayer. You're going down with great hope. Yeah. Uh, and expectation. Unlike Everton fans who travel in hope more than expectation. <laughs> um, uh, I should. I should know. I am one. Uh, you. Tr- you go down with hope and expectation because you know it works. Yeah. Um, and but that one is. Uh, you're. You're not quite flying by the seat of your pants, but you are dependent on callers. Whereas. Yeah. Most programs, be it Sean O'Rourke, be it Pat Kenny, um, be it um, Matt Cooper, uh, whoever you know, be it Drive Time, uh, even the weekend programs, Marion, you know, yeah. they will have a plan, and they will have right the first half hour is this. We'll do the papers, then we'll have this guest live in the studio, then we'll have a yeah. phone call, and then we'll have a panel and whatever, and we'll have music, whatever. So it's there, and. Some things will stretch and some, some things will shorten. Yeah. And there'll be times when some people don't turn up or the phone line goes down. Yeah. whatever whatever. Yeah, say, and yeah. you traffic. You, you know, you go to an ad break yeah. and that gives you three minutes to try and sort something out. Yeah. Um, but uh, on LiveLine, you don't have that. Yeah. You you really don't have that safety net. You if people don't call in, you're sh- like I was upstairs um, a few years back. Oh maybe Oh yeah. It must be five years ago now, and the phone system went down oh, Lord. during Liveline. The phone system went down, and Joe was left floundering. He, he, he had no callers. Yeah, that's the whole so, concept of the show, is there. So, people from upstairs Philip Boucher Hayes, yep. John Murray, Descat, whoever went down to them. And they had ch- they chatted about stuff yeah
1: just to fill the airways just
0: to fill the airways and they talked about relevant stuff, yeah, but it wasn't you know it was it was it was filling air yeah. by the next day it was sorted yeah. Um, but that's how dependent you are on the how phone system there, for, for, for yeah. Lifeline. Yeah. But if
1: you look at you, uh, about, probably over a year ago now, is it since you started your own podcast, Off Message, which is about media and that
0: kind of thing? Is yeah, it, uh, is, it a, is it a year? It, it is. Uh, a year now, yeah, it, it's, it's a year, and I've done 10 of them. I don't do, like, I, I do the blog as well still. Yeah. So I used to do a blog post about once a month. Yeah. Well, now I, I alternate a blog or a podcast. podcast. And, um, the last one I did was with some shagger from Stockholm I Stockhold. don't know I shouldn't be talking to Irish people in Stockholm at all you've done enough for them now I'd say <laughs> it's
1: well worth come yeah. back and listen yeah. <laughs> I had a great time making that was but when you look at sort of podcasting in general and the, sort of the explosion of podcasts, yes like, um, is, is there a difference because it's still the audio media mm. <coughs> excuse me it is you're, radio yeah you're still getting into people through their ears right? it is
0: radio it's just that you don't have ad breaks you can't really play music because you don't have, you've copyright problems. Yeah. You're going to be listening, you, you don't have clearance to play music. No, Like any radio station will have an agreement with the uh, musician and songwriters representative bodies to yeah. play music. Uh, they pay for that privilege. Yeah. Uh, uh, if I stick something on a podcast uh, I can't say it's for Ireland only because it goes, it goes, out goes all global world, yeah. Yeah, on that interweb. So um, so you can't use music. The music you do use is especially is written free-to-air stuff or you commission something, yeah. you know. Um, you, you don't have a time duration limit, so you can make it as long as you want. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, uh, exactly. Is it? <laughs> I, 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 sometimes it and It depends on whether... I think most people kind of have... A, well, you see, here's the thing. I would have thought that a short duration podcast... Was uh, ideal, you know. Maybe ten or fifteen minutes. People yeah. are running around the place. You know, they only want quick sound bites. And our friends at the documentary on one were one of the early pioneers of podcasts in yep. uh, Irish radio. Uh, certainly on on in RTE, and they will put their documentaries up online before uh, they're broadcast. Yeah. Um, which is a very now standard thing to do in, in television in some uh, jurisdictions. Um, so they will have their documentary. Now you have the hour-long doc on one slot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's changed, but they... Um, when I was making documentaries for them, I haven't made one in ages, um, must, I must come up with a jolly good idea I for them. Come up and put one together. Um, no, there isn't enough money for the two of us. <laughs> uh, so um the, your documentary is about 40 minutes long and then with news and ad breaks and sport that meant that the curious ear filled 10 minutes yeah so it was a mini little documentary uh ronald used to make a lot of them yeah um, he's now doing playback on a saturday morning so uh, they figured when everything went up online and when they l- would look at the first batch of figures that the curious ear would be the one that people were downloading the market leader yeah you know and actually they found the 40 minute docks were yeah and they were going why is this and then they thought about it and they did some research and they found that people's average commute to work is about 40 40 minutes minutes. doing the ironing is about 40 minutes walking the dog is about 40 minutes so the dock slot that 40 minute slot was perfect for Now, I know people who tell me about, I'm no podcast expert, by the way. I I coordinate the Facebook Irish Podcast yeah. producers and listeners um, a Facebook page or group. I'm no expert on it. There are people in there who, are, who know the technicalities of it more, yeah. who know the business of it more, the potential of it more. I, I just do it, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, there there are some people who say oh you should be maybe 20 minutes or others would say no about 40 minutes is right and there are others who say well it depends on what you're doing and whether it's interesting yeah and i suppose that's the secret of it because there is no you don't have to go to an ad break you don't have to go to a news break um people can listen to it in their own time they can pause it come back to it yeah I was, uh, I was listening
1: to one the other day. There's one called the Album Club. I don't know if you've
0: heard this podcast. And they go through some of classic albums,
1: Joy Division. Do they play Metallica. the m- Do they play, no, n- they play the music as well? Right? Which is music. weird. Yeah. But their thing is that some of them are now an hour and fifteen minutes. Some of them are two hours. Yeah. And some of them are talking about. And they're very sort of. Expect- it was really good. Now again, you're if not something sit down, is
0: interesting, you yeah, know. It's, like,
1: it's basically the length of a feature film, though. So you're not going to sit down. Or, certainly, I'm not going to sit down and listen to a whole lot. But over the space of three or four, five trips in a car, yes, I'm going to listen to it. You yes. Know? And I kind of got into that idea of like you know, now I mean I've never listened to Joy. I think the guy's a bit mad, you know, but I mean he does three or four hours of live who's podcasting. This? Joe Rogan, he's an American. I've Canadian heard the and, name, uh, yeah, sports yeah. commentator. Well, you know, he has all these weird alt-right dudes on and that kind of thing. But he does sort of three or four hours. But that to me is too long, you know, that's sort of being self-indulgent. But there was a, a great editor for Reuters who's still there, Nick Mulveni, a sports editor out in Asia. And he said, to me "One of those things, we were talking about the Olympics one time, and I was saying about you know the, sort of the story length, you know, should it be two hundred, four hundred, six hundred words." And he said to me, this is "The words, write it as long as it reads." So yeah. in other words, if you're getting bored, cut the
0: fuck yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah. That. And that's the thing about podcasts is because people listen to them in all different uh, scenarios. Yeah. Um, there is no one size fits all. Yeah. Um, there's no one topic fits all. There's no one style fits all. Yeah. Um, and obviously, this guy, Joe Rogan. Yeah, Joe Rogan, yeah. I mean, does he have a sponsor for his? Ah, he makes millions off. How, How too, but to,
1: but this guy Yeah,
0: well, therefore, he can, whatever he's doing, he's doing it right, because yeah. he's making a lot of money. I'm not making any money off of Off Message. That's why I don't bust my balls on <laughs> it, because um, the real world of work gets in the way. Yeah. I enjoy doing them, but, you know, I'm, I I can't afford to you know, just be doing one i am w I'm 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 kind of jealous of people like Jarlus Regan who is on yeah, you know, Irishman our, abroad, our, yeah. he's on number two or three or four or five hundred or whatever he's on and he yeah. does one a week and yeah. whatever. Now he's got a sponsor. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it pays him. Yeah. I've never gone looking for a sponsor. Uh I'm not sure I want a sponsor. When you're talking about the media, um it's bad enough being curtailed by what one can and cannot discuss because one works in the business, yeah, yeah, and it will come back to bite you on the arse. Yeah, um, uh, it's funny how you know it's a business that uh, um, wants every you know it, it's a it's a great fan of freedom of speech. Yeah, once you're not talking about it, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I've seen a lot, a lot yeah, of
1: yeah. if uh, finally if. You finally, uh, finally.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, we'll, I'll uh, decide that in a minute. Uh, well, hold on, I'm not doing a Joe Rogan an <laughs> epic review. We'll do this over several parts, right?
1: One of the things I want to ask you was, mm. because it's a little while since you last made a radio documentary, yes. you know, you're going in to record Fool's Gold for RTE.
0: Which is a music program. Which is a music program, yeah. yeah. So,
1: you know, you're still doing this of broad range. If I was to say, right, RTE all of a sudden have a sort of unlimited budget to give Pat
0: O'Mahony, what radio program would you make with it? A, I would check your temperature. <laughs> That already has an really unlimited an unlimited budget for anything. I'd I'd, I'd be wary of that. Um, <sighs> I don't know.
1: There's I no mean, idea. Well, there arms, you know.
0: f- yes, they're like. I have. A, a ta- funnily enough, I was watching. Uh, the, uh, Notre Dame. Yes, the fire. Uh, yeah. Fire, uh, the other evening, and. I emailed a friend of mine and said. Uh, that I just wrote down the title of a program series that we had uh, pitched many, many years ago, Reporters, of war at, sorry, Reporters at War, our documentary series about the history of yep. modern war journalism for Discovery that we made in 2003, came out of it, Yeah. Um, but the idea, the original idea itself about live news, television never got made, but I just sent him a one line email saying we just have another episode. Yeah. You know, look at Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, So I have one big global uh, idea that would be interviews and archive and a bit of actuality, uh, history, modern history uh, about the media and about news uh, that I would still love to make. And it was the first really big idea I pitched. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been hustling since you know, sending those uh, pirate radio tapes to Sunshine and, yeah. and Nova, etc. back in about 1981. Uh, the first idea I pitched to RTE would have been a music television idea back in 80, early 89 that didn't go anywhere, but I, I pitched it with Moya Doherty, who's now We're on the board and went onto River, you know, yeah. via via her television production company Tyrone and Riverdance, um, and we didn't get it. Uh, but Moya pointed me in the direction of Head to Toe. Her famous large words were, "Well, you won't get it, but it'll be a good experience to go for." <laughs> um,
1: Five years in a ponytail later, yeah, no...
0: yeah. And uh, so um, that was a music program that I pitched that I'd really have loved to make. I've pitched umpteen. Um, Music programs into television and radio. There's one currently wending a music history program, documentary series, uh, wending its way uh, through the BAI, possibly for Orte maybe. Uh, you know, a long shot as as all these things are. Yeah. Um, uh, when I started out, I just wanted to make music programs. I yeah. mean, I, as I said, I was listening to 2FM and was going I could do that and I just wanted to play a record yep. and I still I mean I love that I, I like doing Fools Gold for Bank Holiday Mondays on RTE Gold I used to love filling in for Fanning yeah during the 90s on 2FM I would look back and I'm raging they never actually offered me a my own gig.
1: I was surprised yeah, when you must first have known took it. And I and I was, was shite. No, no, but yeah, I was actually surprised because Fanning's boots at that stage were, were big ones to fill because he was seen as like the cool person with his finger on the pulse yeah. of new music and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And then you came in. And I think everybody was sort of like, oh, well Jesus, you know. They were surprised at how well you mm. were able to fill in it because you know that's the one thing I think you know. I've been to your house and it's full of CDs and records mm. and that kind of thing. You know? So would you reckon you'll go back to making music programs or what? Do you think?
0: Well, uh, you see, this is it. I, I, I that, that's where I started, and then I suppose with. Success of like uh, the last thing I made before I went to London '98 was a weekly radio series about the music industry, about the music business thing called Access All Areas, which was a mix of magazine documentary with a bit of music in it, um, but the music was illustrative. Um, And then I went to London and started making eventually documentaries and was about you know, had months the promise of huge money from Channel 5 to make two huge big series yeah. in early 2008 that bit the bullet because of, you know. The financial crisis came Absolutely, and haunted uh, those, uh, those, what kind of uh, mortgages were they? Prime mortgage, so so subprime so prime. mortgages. Those were the ones, um, and, and, and that, that was the last time I worked in London. Um, but at the time, I remember post reporters at war, especially after it won the Emmy in 05, I thought, man, I just want to make, do- I want to keep making documentaries. Yeah. And that was the plan. Now, you know, <laughs> real life gets <laughs> in the make, way. How do you make God laugh? You tell him your plans. <laughs> um, so, uh, since then, and always, even before that, you, you know, you throw a lot of shit against the wall and you see what sticks. Yeah. I mean, we just finished a a, a ten week comedy news panel show for uh, News Talk. A little extraordinary production. Uh, which I co-produced with Mark Warren at Firebrand. It was his idea. He brought it to me and we tweaked the fuck out of it for a radio, and then I co-produced it with him, I hosted it, and I, fiz- I edited it yep. um, each week for 10 weeks, and that was our second run of it. I never thought I'd be working in comedy. I mean, you know, that yep. was not part, but having said that, Have I Got News For You has always been one of my favorite TV yeah, programs. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, in a lot of ways, I suppose uh, I'm a jack of all trades because I've really wide taste, that means I suppose to some people I'd be a master of none. And that's fine. Once I don't go insane in the business, kinda of that's half the battle. You know, yeah. so variety to me has always been important. Um, I remember when I was in RTE and, you know, Gable was coming to the end of whatever his long yeah. tenure, the late late, I went I couldn't do twenty I couldn't do twenty five weeks of it. Never yeah. mind. Um, you know, I I could, years. but 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 twenty five years of the same programme.
1: Every Friday night, yeah you know but that, that would be you
0: that would drive me scatty you know I, I do like I, I like stuff that works and that you know you go back to it and you have a reason to do it yeah but you know eventually like access all areas that music based program I did uh, for Irish radio like it ran for a year and a half at which point I said then guys this is getting stale at least take it off the air and give it a break yeah and we may come back to it but it needs I'm doing it by rote, I'm just doing I it for me. i have never
1: heard anybody in this business take their own and program yeah. off the air, you know? and
0: I kind of went, you know, we'll, there's other things. And of course, I then effect off to London, <laughs> so I've never, I didn't do Access All Areas part two. But, um, uh, yeah, I, like, <coughs> you remember when s- uh, home video cameras became yes. a thing and people were taking them on holidays and yeah. suddenly video diaries became a thing, in yeah. RT, um, John Masterson was going to do these, a whole load of documentaries with people as video diaries. So he'd set up a, it wasn't a unit, but yeah. a unit. it was basically a desk and a phone. And he was looking for ideas. And I rang him one day going, John, I have this idea for blah, blah, blah. And by the end of the call, I had talked him out of giving me any money to do it because I said I was the wrong person to do it, <laughs> that I, I knew what he needed. And uh, the producer and me was going, i'm not what he needs that's not me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do you know what i mean just I'm somebody left the door open to you for other things you know but who knows who, who knows? knows so yeah so you know what's around the corner where will i it's it's not in my hands it never has been i'm people who think they're in control of their own destiny are t- deluded gop <laughs> um there's so many other there's so many factors you know that you as i say you 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 throw a lot of stuff out there and you what's the phrase you run a lot of stuff up various flagpoles and you (laughs) see who (laughs) salutes you know (laughs) Uh, and if no one salutes you're you're in trouble then because you're broke. Well I reckon if nobody salutes I probably need better headphones because I've been listening to you for years and you're doing pretty good. Well the stuff I've done is okay I mean um, but it's very little of it funnily enough very little of it is stuff I've really 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 wanted to do yeah I remember in early days someone in a newspaper review referred to me as a journeyman broadcaster. Now, in fact, I thought that was interesting because I'd only been in the business about five years at the time. <laughs> and now that I'm in it, nearly 30 years, it's 30 years this autumn yeah. uh, since I got the head-to-toe break. Um, in a lot of ways, now it's more accurate because yeah. uh, I, I, you know journeyman means that you kind of, you, you duck and you dive, you yeah. do a bit of this, you do a bit of that, you, know, you try your hand at lots of things. Uh, uh, and very little of it is spectacularly brilliant um and i i think that's fair so I, I i reluctantly would agree that by now i i would be despite my ambitions at the time to be you know i don't know than i suppose the next dave in a lot of ways in 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 music terms but but in even in documentary making i had great ambitions but well, i think the fact that you've won awards for stuff that you made and that i kind of think
1: i think you know but I haven't the,
0: won that many brilliant, you know, bl- 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 you know no, It doesn't like
1: matter, Pat, because you do a vast amount of stuff, right? We all do stuff that... I, I read an article, I Googled an old, I was Googling an old article that I'd written the other day for one fact, and something mm. else came up that I, can't, I couldn't even remember writing. Yeah. So there's so much stuff that you do that just... Pff, yeah, you yeah. Know. But then when you do actually hit the... <laughs> There is one or two articles I was asked to put them forward to the Nuj in Sweden because you know they want to put them on a database or somebody's right. looking okay. for English yeah, language yeah. skills or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I look back at them and I thought those two or three things. Now I've never you know won awards and that kind of thing, but yeah. you've know, you two or three things to be proud And in this business, that's probably about the best you can hope for.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, listen, I, I'm paying the rent is kind of a yeah, pension would be nice. Mm-hmm how do you spell pension I, no I, think, idea. I think you can spell it in, out in a pitch uh, yeah. to Liam at the <laughs> <laughs> talking thanks a million really for talking cheers sure,
1: Philip there you go a very wide ranging discussion on the subject of radio and if you have anybody that you'd like to hear me talk to or talk about or any subject that you would like to hear me talk about uh, do feel free to get on to me and that kind of thing there's going to be a lot now coming up about uh, the European elections and that kind of thing Uh, that are happening around Europe and the importance of them. And of course, the far right is not going away. And it's fascinating to see uh, the far right, especially in Ireland, being put in the newspapers again and the Irish media making exactly the same mistakes as everybody else. And uh, soon I'll do a podcast about not how they don't know. This is not through ignorance. This is an act of choice to go platforming fascists and that kind of thing. And it's all mostly to do with money and clicks and, and being seen and winning in the attention economy. And they don't give a fuck who the victims are. But that is for another day. It's a Fine spring April morning here Uh, I don't know when you're listening to this But it's a fine spring April morning here So I'm going to go and enjoy The rest of the day and the week And I suggest you do the same Look after yourselves my friends And I'll talk to you again soon